Uh, this morning, uh, we will continue in a series uh, that we have been reminding ourselves of wonderful truths. We're going to look at Second Timothy again. We're going to look at Ephesians again. These are two texts that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks. But in these two texts, they're so rich with lots of truth, we're going to come back to them and see another piece that is so essential uh, to our life together, so essential to us as a church, so essential to our salvation that if we let go of them, we die. I don't know if your family has a favorite TV show, but uh, here lately we have been watching this show called Alone. There's a few of you, yes, that have seen this show, and literally uh, 10 folks get dropped into a remote area and they are officially alone. Um, And they've got like 10 items they can choose from uh, to try to survive as long as possible. So the name of the game is just outlast everybody else. Um, And some of it is is interesting to watch nonetheless. And so we enjoy watching this. Just one, it's just interesting to see how people are innovative. Uh, It's a great test on how we really weren't meant to be alone uh, because lots of folks really struggle with that. But I digress. What's so interesting about this particular show is that they get 10 items uh, that they must choose from to bring with them. Now imagine you've got 10 items to go be dropped somewhere. You're going to be looking for the most essential (laughs) items that you cannot live without. And so much so that uh, a couple of times uh, in one particular series, or season rather, a guy lost flint. That's the ability to make fire real easily. Um, and uh, you think, yeah, okay, whatever. That's a big deal when you're by yourself. And so he lost his ability to make fire, uh, spent just a few moments looking for it and quickly surrendered to the ideal, I'm not going to make it. And so they get a phone and they call and they uh, officially tap out. Uh, I'm not going to make it without this essential item. There was another guy who lost his axe. It's a really simple tool, but yet a significant tool. And he thought, I'm going to have to tap out because I don't have the essential item. Luckily, he found it. You may be thinking, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Much is true when we think about our life together and the essential truths that we hold dear. If we let go of one of them, we as a church, we may survive for a while, We might actually look healthy, but down inside, when we let go of essential truths, we eventually die. We just simply will not make it. Much like these contestants on this show, when they lose an essential item, they know very quickly, I'm not going to make it. And so we are taking the month of January to remind ourselves of essential truths so that when we see them slip, we quickly grab them and say, oh, no, no, no. We cannot let go of these essential truths. So what we're going to do this morning, as we've done over the last couple of weeks, we're going to uh, say a statement together, much like we did at the beginning, but we've been saying this particular statement each and every week to help summarize what we've been looking at. So we're going to do it old school, repeat after me, all right, you ready? According to Scripture alone, humans are saved by grace alone. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. 
That sounds wonderful. These are essential truths we hold dear when it comes to how is a man or woman saved. Now, perhaps you've noticed each week that we say this together, that we have qualified each alone statement with something called, real snooze fest, a preposition. Like, oh, great. Uh, These prepositions serve a purpose. What do they do? They govern this word, right, that comes after it. It kind of uh, helps to express or help to communicate that relationship from that word to salvation. So when we say by grace alone, by grace alone, we mean that salvation is achieved by grace alone. Alone, by God's grace alone. Only he could do something that miraculous. So salvation is by grace alone. When we say through faith alone, we mean the movement from one spot to another. Moving from unsaved to saved is through faith. When we say in Christ, notice I like the motions I'm giving you, in, through, uh, when we say we are saved in Christ, we are expressing uh, the location, if you will, of our salvation. Where is it found? I want to go to this wonderful thing. Well, it's found in Christ. Even to be more specific, as we were spending just such a wonderful time in our Sunday study rehearsing the gospel in Jesus, it is found, our salvation is found in Christ, specifically in his person. We believe some pretty unique things about his person, but not only who he is, but his work. Well, he is like no other. His work is Extraordinary, if you will. We are intending to communicate how salvation is so miraculous. How salvation is something that is glorious that we come around each and every week and we rejoice in. Brothers and sisters, and those visiting with us, to catch us up quickly, last week we discussed the good news that we are saved upon the grounds of God's grace. Salvation is outside of yourselves. Ever tried to save yourself? It's rather difficult, especially when it comes to saving our souls. It is not nearly impossible. It is impossible. So we discovered this really great news that salvation is possible because it is outside of ourselves. It's grounded in something that is beautiful and glorious and wonderful. We call this the grace of God. You see, our salvation is based upon no merit of ourselves. It is based upon his grace and his grace alone. Amen? Can I get an amen, right? That's good news, isn't it? But how, and perhaps this question still rings in your mind, even as we read that statement, is it we rejoice in God's grace? Well, how is his grace, how does that get applied to our lives? I know we're getting technical, but it's really important for us to understand this incredible news about Jesus, this incredible grace of God. How does that become applied to our lives? How indeed are we saved? 
This morning, we all sit here together as brothers and sisters. We make a point to say that a good bit. Isn't that a bit weird? How in the world could we declare as brothers and sisters? And if you've been in church or read your scripture, you quickly say, well, no, 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 that's not weird. That is exactly the result of God in our lives. But how does this grace of God in Christ get applied? How do we become such a diverse people from all walks of life? If we went around and interviewed us all, it would be interesting where we have come from, what has happened in our lives, what we are currently going through. How can a hodgepodge group of people gather this morning and rejoice through singing, rejoice through looking at God's Word and Sunday studies, and to spend time together looking at God's Word? How does a hodgepodge group of folks become Christians and therefore brothers and sisters? Well, it's to that kind of specific question we're going to be looking at this morning because the Bible is clear. Now, we're going to begin trying to answer that question by looking at two scriptures that we've already looked at because they told us we were just focused on one part of it. But God's word is so vast and so beautiful. We're going to look back at 2 Timothy and Ephesians 2. So why don't we turn there? Let's look at uh, 2 Timothy first, and um, then we'll look at Ephesians. So remember, we looked at 2 Timothy when we looked at um, a, a, a God according to Scripture alone, right? We looked at that, but in that, we learned some things even about these other elements. So I'm going to read specifically verses 14 and 15, right? Uh, Timothy is... Uh, been tasked with the job of building up the church, of teaching the truths of God. And so Paul is reminding Timothy of a few things. But here's what's fascinating about this little part that I don't want us to miss. Now look at verse 14. But as for you, this is Timothy, continue. And that means continue. Keep it up. Keep working in what? Continue in what you have learned and had firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, right? The scriptures did something. What did they do? They were able to make you wise for salvation. Well, praise the Lord. And here it is, through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Ephesians, we looked at last week when we were looking at Grace alone, this chapter of Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses are absolutely staggering. And everything that we have been repeating each and every week is found in these 10 verses. But I'm trying to show you through passages that we've already unpacked a lot is to see this element of faith, okay? Chapter 2 of Ephesians, we're just going to look at 8 and 10. For by grace... There it is, by, look, preposition, we're being so biblical, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. There's our actual phrase that we have been saying. For by grace, you, y'all, those who are Christians, have been saved through faith. And then Paul gives us more clarity. The Bible doesn't leave us hanging. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of words so that no one may boast. 
even in our faith, we can't boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So both of these texts, brothers and sisters, and those visiting with us, at really crucial points, really significant moments, they mention faith. They mention faith as the thing that applies God's grace to us. God's wonderful, glorious grace is applied through this word called faith. Or more specifically, it applies God's work in Christ alone to us. It would seem at these crucial moments that we are made right with God by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I'll admit, that one sentence alone, it has much for us to think about. It is sweet to our ears. It is wonderful music to our weary souls as Christians that we are made right with God by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But today, let us focus on the faith piece. It's a word that we use a lot, but oftentimes it's, it's a bit slippery when we're thinking about what does faith alone mean in terms of our sal- salvation. But before I define it, I want to state the problem that we're trying to answer. I'm being painstakingly as much as I can, as clear as possible this morning. So that I don't walk away clear as mud, as we would say in Tennessee, but clear as clear um, as we can. So what is, the, what is the problem? What is it we're trying to discover together this morning? Let me, let me just try to answer it as precise as possible, okay? We know. That our salvation is by God's grace. It's, it's his act, right? It's his work from beginning to end. It's his grace he, in him becoming man, him stepping in, doing what you and I could not do. Complete, utter obedience to God, sinless. So the question, and we, we understand it's, it's by grace. So the question that we are exploring today is how does his grace get applied to us? How, how, does, how does that work? Because we rejoice in the person and work of Christ. We are thankful that God has saved us. But, but the question that we're exploring is, how does his grace get applied to us, particularly in the person and work of Christ? Well, the Bible is... Uh, repeats the answer over and over again, and it is faith alone. So faith, particularly in 2 Timothy and also Ephesians, really, that there's a sense that faith somehow justifies us or is how we are declared right before God. But what is faith? Pastor, I hear you, but what is faith? Well, here is a literal definition. Here's what it is, straight from the word even underneath our word faith. Here's what it is. To believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Let me me read that again, okay? To believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. Faith is complete 
trust. It is a strong belief in something that causes, did you catch that last word? Reliance upon. You, this thing you believe, become dependent upon it. It's that wonderful. It's that great that you believe it fully and depend upon it. This means the belief gives you confidence. It is what you hope for and you actually believe will indeed happen. This is exactly what we read earlier in 2 Timothy. The text indicates that Timothy knew the scriptures, right? From a young child. It actually says you knew them well from childhood. But they did something. Scripture did something to him. What did it do? It made him wise. It opened his eyes to something true. It, 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 it granted him belief, particularly in terms of his salvation. You see, the Scriptures, God's Word, caused him to know where salvation is found, which is told to us in the text. 2 Timothy 3.15, the last portion, it says this, through faith in Christ. Come back next week. We'll talk about in Christ. But this morning, Scripture had made it plain that God had done a gracious work. It had made Timothy wise to understand where salvation is found. So he was saved through faith in Christ. Faith. What does Paul mean here? What did Timothy have that the Scriptures taught him to do? Notice the progression. The Scripture makes it plain. My heart is softened to this truth. And in faith, I trust in Christ. What did Timothy have? What did the Scriptures teach him to do? Well, as discussed earlier, faith at its most Simple belief, our understanding is to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. You hear that? What is Timothy doing? Well, apparently he is believing in something to the extent of complete trust and reliance upon that. So what is Paul saying here? Timothy, you were made wise and then you were saved guided by Scripture, through complete trust and reliance upon Jesus Christ. There was this moment where the truths of Jesus weren't just words on a page. They were actually something that Timothy said, oh, you know that moment like, oh, I've known this my whole life. What's that thing going around the internet? I was today years old when I discovered like this thing, you know, it's like, He's like, whoa, all of this truth from Scripture that, that Grandma and Mama were teaching me all these years. <gasps> yes. And maybe that's not his articulate way to describe faith, but I think that's it. It's the, it's the moment where it's just not words, but it's something your heart goes, oh, yes, I got nothing else. I, I, got, I got nothing else to depend on. And this is exactly what Timothy does. He, he, he comes to Scripture. It's guided him 
towards God's grace, and he sees God's grace in the person and work of Christ, and then in the faith he is saved. What did Timothy do? He had complete trust and reliance upon Christ. Timothy became fully convinced of his dependence upon Christ for his salvation. It became painstakingly clear to him he could not depend on himself. That it was this person Jesus and his work and all of that is God's grace and he has saved me. Faith was the means, if you will, by which God's grace in Christ saved him. You see, faith, and and maybe this will work for you, it was, and it is kind of sticky, if you will. It kind of has a way of making truths about God, and particularly about Christ, kind of stick to us. They're not just words on a page or a statement we read together. No, they kind of become our heart's song. They become the thing that you and I just simply cannot live without. Remove our opening statement from my life, and I'm miserable. When I in life forget those truths, hard to believe, it's hard to live with me. I'm miserable. Because these things are so essential to the work of God in my life. Brothers and sisters, they are not just words. And in faith, these words kind of stick to us. They change us. They shape us. They form us. And then we move to dependence upon Christ. You see, faith in in this text and faith alone, it, it sort of applies God's grace to Timothy's life. Meaning, it brought the message of Scripture that was so clear to him that he was familiar with about Jesus. It brought that message about Jesus, and it applied it. It dumped it on his life and therefore saved him. It's like a water jug being poured over your head. (laughs) The message of Scripture about Christ gets applied in faith, and it's just... Notice the focus of the faith, Christ alone. The complete trust and belief is in the person and work of Christ. Here's how one scholar put it. This is so well stated. Faith saves, that's what we're talking about, and that's what this text is saying. Faith saves because it, faith, takes hold of Christ and believes that my sin and death are damned and abolished in Christ. It, faith, unites believers to Christ. When I was growing up, my dad was a carpenter painter. And he wore carpenter pants back in the day before they had a little stand of being cool, right? And everybody wondered, what's this little loop on the pant? Uh, Well, my dad had carpenter pants, had a little loop, for hammer, by the way, uh, just so you know. And so we lived close to a convenience store, close by our house, called Andy's. Still remember it today? It was awesome. And my dad would get home from work. Hey, let's walk up to Andy's. Like, okay, Dad, let's go. But we were kind of by a busy street, and we had to walk down uh, this little, just right beside the street through a ditch, basically. And so my dad would walk on one side, and I'd grab that little loop on his, on his pants. All of a sudden, I didn't even hear a car. Didn't know cars were out there even though they were right beside me. But, but in, in, in faith, like, oh, if, I, if I'm with Dad, I'm good. And I grabbed that little loop, and it united me to my dad. 
And the next thing you know is like, it, oh, I'm all good. I'm, I'm with dad. You know, I'm like hanging out. I'm with dad. We go up to the store. And I think about faith as us looking out saying, oh, yeah. Yeah, like in, in faith, I'm going to take hold of Christ. I'm going to believe that my sin and death are abolished in his person and work. I am united with him. Look, I got the pants leg. I'm right there with him. Faith seems to be the way that we articulate that thing. The, oh, oh yeah. The realization, the dependence, the belief of who Christ is. And we grab a hold. Ephesians says much of the same thing, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The exact statement that we have been saying over and over. But did you notice in Ephesians, this is fascinating. So I've been saying, oh, faith saves. But there's a unique thing that Ephesians does for us, so we wouldn't get too much of a big head here, okay? There's a unique thing that develops here in Ephesians. Did you catch it? Listen to verse 8 again. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, and, and this can only point back to grace and faith, okay? That's what it points back to. This, grace and faith, is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. You ever wonder why some have the, <gasps> and some can hear the gospel over and over and hear the truths of Christ and go, eh. What's this element of faith, I think? That, that somehow along the way, like the prodigal son eating with the pigs, and all of a sudden, whoa. And even in that term, there's a hint that a, a spell is broken, really is what's underneath this coming to his senses. And this is what faith does, but this seems to even be a work of God in our lives to move us from the inability to respond to respond. Because think about this. It says this, faith and grace, is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. What could this possibly mean? Well, faith is a gift, and therefore it takes salvation again outside of yourselves, removing any boasting. Because we could say, oh, but, you know, I did respond, <laughs> you know. I mean, or I did grab the pants leg. I mean, come on. And see, this removes, again, any amount of boasting and gives us a greater joy to rejoice at the grace of God, also seen in our faith. That he worked in us and the truth of scriptures and the person and work of Christ became so real to us that we went, yes, and we respond. You, I, did not earn our salvation by exhibiting tremendous faith. He, God, through his grace, overcomes our deadness. Remember the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1? Overcomes it. Overcomes our inability to trust him. Overcomes our tendency to not rely on him. So faith is just yet another gracious gift to us so that no one should boast. Our ability to say yes to Christ is rooted in God. Our ability to have faith is in the work of God. If you make it a regular habit to share these glorious truths with those who maybe don't know them, I hope that you are begging for the Lord to take the truth you're sharing 
and stir their hearts. <laughs> to work in them in such a way that these aren't just words rehearsed, but things that are truthful. Because of what we're learning, it is in faith alone that men and women are saved. But let us be relieved this morning that your, be, your being declared right with God is his work. From grace, to, from the scriptures being in our hand, well, that's a miraculous story that we have the Bible today, to the grace that is on display by his efforts and works, and to the faith that allows us and calls us to cling to Christ from beginning to end, it is a gracious work of God. But I'd be remiss this morning to not make a statement that was well known, or maybe more after the Reformation time when these truths were being really clung to. Though we are saved through faith alone, that faith is never alone. It's like, man, you're just playing with my mind now, Pastor. Think about this. Though we are saved through faith alone, well, praise God, that faith is never alone. You see, that is exactly what Ephesians tells us. You, did you catch verse 10? That's what it's getting at. Verse 10 says, we, were, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you know how we walk in these words? is in faith. Trusting that if we do what the Lord has instructed, it would be well for us. That it's what is best for us to do. That's what verse 10 is getting at. Faith is not understood as just a mental assent to believe the truth about Jesus. It's not just that. You see, the scriptures repeat over and over again that we show faith by our words, in our actions. Don't believe me? Read James. Now, this was hard for some of the reformers. They wanted to throw out James. Because it was hard to say, wait a minute, I've tried the whole work thing, and that made me miserable. But what we're discussing and what the Scriptures say is in these realities, according to Scripture, by grace, through faith, we are now freed to not go earn our salvation, but enjoy, declare the greatness of God by how we live. One cannot truly receive the grace of God in Christ Jesus and not be different. Cheap grace, as Diedrich Bonhoeffer called it, is not biblical grace. There is only costly grace, grace that drove the God-man Jesus to a cross. You and I are foolish to think that when a person experiences God's grace, and then through faith they trust his sacrifice wholeheartedly with complete dependence, that they will not be changed. Of course they will. Will we struggle? Well, of course we will. But the Lord begins a work in our heart, and in faith we live just a little differently each day. They, we, are forever changed. And their faith, our faith, in Christ's sacrifice will always be accompanied by good works, actions, and deeds. But notice all that occurs before all of that. God's work. And in faith, we now go and live. And do you know what Ephesians says about what accompanies this faith that has saved them? Ephesians says, Really interesting. Right out of the heels of verse 10, the rest of chapter 2, you know what 
he highlights that accompanies faith, unity. Isn't that bizarre? But you heard me correctly. Unity. Paul runs straight to unity with the next several verses. What does faith look like? Just look at the local gathering and see faith on display. See in them a trust in Christ above their background, above their ethnicity, above their skill sets, above their age. You see, it is Christ that bounds them together. You want to see what faith looks like on display? Look at the local gathering and see how they treat one another. You see, faith for today is still faith for today in Scripture. We see it when people respond to Christ. We see it when the church gathers. You see, it is precisely because of our common faith in Christ that binds us together. Do you know the same faith that unites us to Christ is the same faith that unites us to each other? What is happening in this very moment is a work of God, a display of faith in Christ, a display of God's grace. Ephesians 2, 18 and 19 says, For through him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Well, this is, this is fascinating that, that in Christ, in faith in Christ, this common faith in him, that we are no longer strangers and aliens, but able to be fellow citizens. Perhaps you never thought about faith this way. Never thought about how faith that saves us is the same faith when we interact with each other as the Lord would instruct us to do. That in this faith in Christ, we become one. That's a powerful thing that occurs. Our commonality is our faith in Christ. We should never let anything get in the way of that reality. If we do, then our faith in Christ is small. And the watching world will think very little of Christ by our actions. So what we're even doing in gathering this very moment, is a display of our common faith in Christ. It is in him that we are bound together. Together, we declare his grace, seen in our salvation, that brings us together. And that bond, brothers and sisters, and those visiting with us, is stronger than color of skin, language, financial status, skill. That faith is stronger than anything. You see, the gospel is on display when we gather here this morning. Our shared faith in Christ that creates unity is on display. So just simply being here is an act of faith, a work of faith in your heart. Because God's grace is so wonderful, we could have sat at home with a little bit of pitter-patter of rain Maybe drink another cup of coffee and snuggle up. But in faith, you said, no, I should be here with God's people. To be encouraged, to be strengthened, because this is what I should do. 
So we come in complete reliance and trust. The Lord said, not forsake, forsake gathering. So here we are. Think about the things we do together. Every month we take the Lord's Supper. And it is yet another reminder of our unity because of what? Our faith in Christ. We gather around the Lord's table. I mean, let that imagery seek, just kind of sink in for a moment. We sit together around his table. That's fascinating. We sit around his table connected to him and to each other. In unity, we take those elements. We declare that he's greater. We declare our common faith and what they represent and what they mean to us. And in declaring this faith, our unity grows. Our common faith in Christ is powerful. And it creates a deep bond with each other. When we gather Sundays, our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is on display. The community around us hopefully will see it as we get healthier, as we go into the world, that they will see that we are a people who love Christ. It's precisely our uncommonness and background, which is looks, lights, preferences, that makes our common faith so potent. How, how is it that that could work so deeply in a people? It tells the watching world that Jesus is actually good. He's actually very gracious. Because the only way we could come together this morning in all of that uncommonness is our common faith in Jesus. Our faith in Christ is not only evident in our unity, and I spent a little bit of time there to say the faith that saves is the faith that binds us together as a church, and faith is on display when we gather, as we, as we get healthier in our unity. It's so clearly seen. But not only is our faith in Christ evident in our unity, but our faith is also evident in our joy when life is difficult. The same faith that we lean into for salvation. I'm going to grab that loop. I'm going to take hold of Christ. That that same faith and belief for our salvation is the same faith that we lean into to carry us along our journey of following Christ. And to have joy and abundance when all around us would say, how can you smile? How can you be so at peace? Well, because my faith in Christ compels me. Because the belief I have in him for my salvation is the belief that I have that he will hold me fast. That song has served my soul the last several months. As soon as we were looking at the paper, my my daughter nudged me and goes, well, here's the song again. I play it like a hundred times while we're at the house. Because the faith that we have in Christ to save us is the same faith that we trust. He will hold us fast. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? How in the world? Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here, Jesus is exhibiting 
a joy in suffering because he believed and he knew fully of what this was doing. James 1, 2, and 3, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Well, that's easy to say, James, thanks a lot. But we as a people and our faith in Christ compels us to say, wait a second. Well, well, if he can save me, well, then he can sustain me in various trials. And then James doesn't even leave us hanging. He gives us more truth about our difficulties. For you know the testing of, guess what? Your faith produces steadfastness. Our faith is on display in our deep joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Why? Because our faith compels us to know that he is working in us. The same faith that allowed me to grab a hold of him is the same faith that trusts him with my life. The trust that he knows better. Trust that as he's sculpting and knocking off the rough edges that that is exactly what I need. You see, faith is also seen in our joy and difficulty. Faith is seen in our salvation and it carries through our life. Faith not only is seen in the joy that we have, but faith kind of carries us along, doesn't it? It generates in us a great hope. Much like the song we just sang today, Almost Home. Some of you probably taste that almost home more than others, right? Oh yeah, almost home. But see, what is it that compels us to to sing that together, raise our hands, and find joy in that? Because faith in Christ compels us to believe that our final resting place, our final resting place is with God forever. How often does the Bible use the promised land, the almost home, We will be with Christ forever. How often it uses that to generate what? Greater faith. To have great confidence that whatever the world throws at us, it will not take that reality away. The same faith that causes us to cling to Christ is the same faith that causes us to cling to the promises of God. Because we know we are almost home. Almost home. The final resting place for all people who through faith believe in Christ will be with God forever. Not only do we see it in these promises and these realities that you and I cling to when life is hard, but we also see faith in all of our actions. All of our actions that are done in faith, what do they show? They show the grace of God in our lives. Because you know the same faith you leaned into for your salvation is the same faith that you lean into to faithfully tithe every week. Pastor, don't say that. But it is, right? It's trust. It's trust to say, well, well, this would be good for me. That to take this action and do this that the Scripture speaks is, is a good thing. And we can even back up just as Christians use their finances differently than the watching world, causes the world to say, huh, why would, why would you do that? Because in faith, I think a better use of this is to do this. I know it's not logical, <laughs> but in faith, this would be the better thing to do. 
Why do you give to that place? It's so stupid. Well, because in faith, the Lord has told me to. It's good for my soul. It's what I need to do. Do you know that in faith, you choose to tell the truth? Honesty is the best policy. Doesn't always feel like it. But in faith, the scriptures tell us and compel us to be truth tellers. So when I choose to tell the truth, though that is hard and difficult, it might cost me a lot. Well, that's okay. Because the faith the Lord used to save me is the faith to know that that's a good thing to do. Remaining faithful to your spouse, an act of faith. I made a commitment, and I'm, I'm, I'm here no matter what. Being patient with family. Let's all be honest. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. But in faith, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to walk with you, with friends, coworkers. These are all actions of faith, compelled by our faith in Christ. Brothers and sisters, I just tried to take something that is Hard for us to understand and for, and for us to see it in display in our life. All rooted in faith in Christ. Completely dependent. Completely trusting the person and work of Christ for our salvation. Also moves out into my everyday actions. Completely trusting Christ for all that I do. Because you know, sometimes Christians don't do things that are super logical. But we do things because it's faithfulness to the Lord. I remember at a church I served at in Florida for many years, and there was a particular elder on staff there, and he was the owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A. And it wouldn't be uncommon that we're looking at the budget, and in faith, we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing, do this thing. And he, was, he would say, hey, hey, time out. He goes, in chicken, this doesn't work. It's like, but you know what? Compelled by faith and trust in the Lord, Let's go for it. Faith is seen in the way that we interact with each other, trusting that God's ways are better than our ways. And all of that is an extinction of the faith we have in Christ. Brothers and sisters, sinners are made alive by grace alone through faith alone. But let us be clear, that faith is never alone. If you're visiting with us today and this is new, news to you, grab someone. I'd be more than happy to talk for hours. Jared, our other pastor, would be more than happy to talk for hours about these realities. Don't leave without considering these truths. Brothers and sisters, let us rejoice that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we have been saved. Let's pray. Father God, I'm thankful for the truth of your scriptures. I pray that in some small way you've taken the, or taken the preaching of your word and you've used it to convict, to uh, cause rejoicing, and to work in our hearts together this morning. Father, we ask that this year, as a congregation, that you would stretch our faith, that we would deepen our trust in you. Father, we have come in faith to Christ for our salvation, and we come in faith to work for you, trusting that the living of our lives according to your word is worth it. And in faith, we will give ourselves to uh, the truth of your scripture, 
And in faith, we will give ourselves to the work of uh, Christians, the work of sharing the gospel, the work of being faithful, trusting that you will use it in our own lives and those around us. Father, if there's some among us who don't know you, might you stir their hearts. Might you, in your grace, uh, grant this morning um, for some to respond to you. So, Father, it is in your holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.